0: I love y'all. We <laughs> love you too. <laughs> um, good morning. And I am so happy to be here uh, again. Galen asked me to come and talk again. And I gladly said yes. Um, And I realized too, in saying yes, that this was an opportunity to keep my uh, commitment to Leo that it would not take me 25 years <laughs> to do this again. So is Leo here? He's, he's on Zoom. Oh, hey, Leo. <laughs> um, so I do want to say thank you to Galen for letting me do this today. You know, the way I see this, this is an opportunity for me to uh, um, connect with you all again. And also another opportunity to be vulnerable. And when we are willing to be vulnerable with each other, we all grow. We become better people. We become better humans when we are willing to be vulnerable. Thank you for letting me do that. Okay. So I want to tell you all that um, many, many years ago, I was at a party. If anybody knows me, they know that I like going to a good party. And yes, my mother is here. My mother, she says, the one thing I do best. I talk. I yes, that's the one thing. That's the one thing I can do. And uh, I was talking to a lady, and she was a little older than me. A white lady, very elegantly dressed. She had on a brightly colored scarf. Um, had kind of big Texas kind of hair, you know, with a big kind of curls. And she was talking about the time she spent in Paris. And while she was there in Paris, she was talking about the food. And she's talking about uh, the people and the places. And she was saying that she learned to become a French speaker. And about this time, as she's telling the story, and we'll call her Annabelle. for I don't remember her name. We'll just call her Annabelle for what it's worth. Another young lady walked up. She was a little younger. Uh, She appeared to be a Uh, uh, Latina, Hispanic woman. Uh, Once again, uh, uh, jeans, just just kind of a younger woman. And she chimed in. She says, oh, you know, um, the same way you feel about Paris, I feel the same way about Mexico City. And she started talking about the people and the places and the food. And she said, and she's, her English was, she was very articulate, English speaker, and she said, and plus, whenever I go to Mexico City, I get to speak my native language. Well, the lady, Annabelle, and we call the Hispanic, we call her Iris, but Annabelle then turns to uh, uh, Iris and says, well, you really should consider um, speaking, uh, uh, going to Paris and speaking French because, um, it will make you bilingual. (laughs) And that will serve you better in society. And Iris, she just kind of looked at me and she kind of just kind of left and walked away. And I was left with Annabelle. And I I didn't really know what to do with that. (laughs) Because, you know, you could see in Annabelle that there was a difference. And for some reason or another, she could not extend a level of equality of status to something that was different. And I look back on that now, and I wonder, could I, should I have had the courage to respectfully, politely make her aware of that? But I I didn't have that awareness. This was a long time ago. Plus, I was having a good time, you know, so (laughs) you didn't want to ruin that, right? (laughs) Um, But the other night, I was watching a documentary, and Christina was watching a documentary about uh, women directors in the movie industry, and this particular documentary was talking about how many uh, women directors have made very um, uh, what do you call it, Um we make a lot of money, like the Hurt Locker was one, it was actually directed by a, a, a woman director. And the documentary was getting to that so many women directors are succeeding downward mm. while so many mediocre male <laughs> directors are failing upward. <laughs> and I thought that was really interesting. And once again, you have to ask the question that the movie heads, the people in charge, are seeing some difference. And you have to wonder about this inability to extend an essence of equality of equal opportunities. Why? Is it because they feel that a woman's gaze One wants to see the way a woman looks at life, the way what a woman thinks. Is this not important? And you have to ask yourself, what are they scared of? Where are they running from? So I thought the documentary was very enlightening in terms of what is going on, and and a woman's ability to tell her story or their stories is is truly being inhibited by this this, this, of being scared of something different. Um, I want to give you another example, and I I hope this isn't too much for us, but um, just in the past week, there was the um, beating of Tyree Nichols, if you all are aware of this story. because of that story, there are now conversations in society saying that we need to reconsider the impact of race on our conversations because the officers were black. I really, truly disagree with that. I disagree with that because there is no one else I could think of in our society, that you will blatantly pull out of your car and beat like that. You would only do that to a person of color. So, I am giving you examples of where there is not a harmony of difference and an extension of equality, either in status, rights, or opportunities. We naturally have a hard time containing both of those ideas in the same vessel at the same time. So today I would like to talk about the need to join difference, And quality and why that is important. And we have what we have our chanting books. Inside our chanting books, I'd like you to turn to them, but there is a sutra uh titled, I don't know what pages on. Um eight. page eight. So, um, Pepe, his name is, um, his name is Pepe. So, yeah, so today we want to talk about the, uh, uh joining difference and equality together as one. And the the white at, one is Pepe. The sutra is Pepe and The body. Body of Difference and That's Equality. And this, and this was given to us by Zen master Sequito. Am I pronouncing that correctly, Gaila? Sekito. 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 Okay. Okay, I gave you all the American version (laughs) of of that. Um, But this sutra really does get to the heart of why enlightenment cannot be found when you are only dealing with what you know, what you see. I think this particular sutra is getting to that enlightenment can be found in the work that needs to be done or the work that has to happen when you are perceiving something as different. When you are are seeing something you have never seen before, and I think it it is dealing with what happens when that particular event occurs. So... I'm going to read the, uh, 1st we're going to kind of go to this by passages here. As you can tell, they're kind of uh, two sentence passages. And the first passage, the mind of the great sage of India is intimately transmitted from west to east. While human faculties are sharp or dull, the way has no northern or southern ancestors. And I'm going to stop there. And for me, reading these first two passages I was kind of wondering, why did Sakito do that? Why, Why there? I think he realizes who his audience is. He realizes that his audience is Buddhist practitioners. And I think he is trying to be very clear with you where his logic is coming from. It is coming from the fertile grounds, the fertile soils of the Buddhist teachings. This is not some half-baked idea that he just kind of, that he's going to, to give us. So he is engendering trust with his audience that what you're going to see in the coming passages are truth. So when I, the next, the third passage here, the spiritual source shines clear in the light. The branching streams flow on in the dark. Okay, I'll be totally honest with y'all. I really struggled with this. And it's something that I learned. That dark, first thing, dark does not have to mean scary. Dark does not have to mean ominous and something's going to happen to you. I think it just really means it's just dark. <laughs> it's just dark in here. And I think Sakito is making the point here that the Buddha's teachings are very clear in the light. But even in the dark, the teachings are still there. So it's kind of like being in a dark room and you're kind of feeling your way in a dark room and you grab something. It's the teachings that you grabbed. That's what it was. And I think before I came to my my own per now my own personal understanding, whether that personal understanding is correct or not is a different story. But my own understanding of this is that maybe in this dark room, maybe. you've grabbed it, but you're unsure of what it is. And you maybe even want to let it go because you're unsure of what it is. But I think this passage is saying, no, that is the teachings. Hold on to it. Don't let it go. It's going to serve you, I guess, until you find the light or <laughs> until you find your way out of this dark room you're in. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. The next passage. Grasping at things is surely delusion. According with sameness is still not enlightenment. I think now he is getting to the theme of this sutra. He has grounded you and he has given you trust of where this is coming from. Ready? Now he is yeah. saying that, okay, you know the things you know. You yeah, up just because you know the things you know, yeah. yeah, okay, that is mean, where look. the work is at. And you've got to be willing to be a part of the world fully and authentically in order for the work to reveal itself so he says next all of the objects of the senses interacting yet do not and he's and he's saying that when you start interacting with the world these ideas about what you're seeing are going to start to form because you're human, and some of these things are going to scare you because you're human. And I guess you could say at this time you could you could you could you could, you could see the light and see the teachings, but you may be in a place that is dark, and not that that's bad; it's just dark. But he's saying that. The teachings are there when you don't understand, when everything starts clicking in. But I, I feel on the last piece of where he says, and yet do not, I wonder if he's saying he's giving you a choice to not interact. Because in the next passage, interacting brings involvement, which kind of gives that idea that interacting with the world, stuff starts happening. Otherwise, each keeps its place. So, is he giving us a choice that you that you don't that you don't have to interact with the world? I I, I say he's kind of messing with us because he knows he's talking to people who have taken a vow to be here for others. I think he's I think he's kind of a kind of messing with you, kind of like oh I I know you're not going to do that. I know you're going to follow your vow and be. The person that you know you can be, and that is someone for others. So in my mind, I'm kind of not even, I kind of like not even looking at the second sentences there because he says, well, like once again, it says interacting brings involvement. Otherwise, it keeps its place. So all your senses, who you are, your, your raising, your upbringing, your child, all this kind of stuff is now coming from its place when you start interacting with the world. But again, if you don't, everything just kind of keeps its place. But I think there's no growth in that. And I think that's what he's telling us is that if you stay there, you're not going to be able to live out your vow as a Buddhist practitioner because you're not growing. You're not willing to be vulnerable. You're not willing to be hurt. You're not willing to cry. You're not willing to be seen. So he continues, sights vary in quality and form, sounds differ as pleasing or harsh. That's where he is telling you all of these ideas are now starting to take quality and form. And now this ideal of something being pleasing or harsh to you is now starting to rise along with it which is now setting the seeds of either equality or inequality because you're deeming it as harsh or pleasant. But I also think too, that this is an opportunity to stop and breathe. I think when the idea When all of the, when the ideal of difference comes, and then the ideal of all, everything of who you are now gets activated, I think this is also an opportunity to stop and breathe. (laughs) This is where our meditation practice comes in. Because this is a wonderful opportunity now to be present and just be with who you're with. What you're doing, you're <laughs> I have my, this so, is what you call. I have my hands full, so on. yeah. So now, sounds are either pleasant, pl- pleasing, or harsh. Uh, refined and common speech, um, refined and common speech come together in the dark, clear and murky phrases are distinguished in the light. Um, for eight, me, eight, 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 eight. I'm done. What stands out here? No. no. For me, what stands out here the most is, is the light. light. And the more and more I think of this now, the the it's one thing that Galen taught me that the dark and the life, the dark and the light both exist. But when I when I read this, what stood out with me most, maybe because I'm coming from a place where I am scared of the dark. And I'm being very transparent and very vulnerable with you when I say that. I mean that honestly. Maybe I'm looking at this because when I look at my own life, I remember what dark was. And if it's not for someone as wonderful as my mother, someone as wonderful as my mother, and someone as pleasant as Galen. And also to the strength of my wife." Dark meant something else. But I, I, I don't think in this context that's what he means here. But I'm going to stay with my, my original thought here, which is the light. I think he's saying here that the light is the Dharma, the light is the teaching. And when you are unsure, when your actions are unskillful, when you are lost, when you are confused, the light is here to help you when you're in this place. So I really want to stay there. But it's one thing that Galen told me about this particular sutra is that this particular sutra, she told me you can spend a lifetime trying to fully understand it. So, I think it's okay, given that she gave me an out, <laughs> I think it's okay that maybe that is not fully, you know, able to articulate the real meaning there in that. So, I'm going to move on to the next. Um the four elements return to their natures just as a child turns to its mother what i find interesting about this sutra at this point is that it takes a left turn it's like i thought we were i thought we were going to start talking about what happens next after you see the difference and now all of these things start cropping up he didn't he stopped and i think he does that as another grounding this is another grounding effect is the way I see it. And, and because he moves into the next thing, the four elements, fire, wind, water, and earth, I think he's saying that these are just true things about nature. I think he's trying to set us up as an as a, an analogy. But these are the true things about nature. Fire heats, wind moves, water west, earth is solid. And, that is just true. Now, in the next, next passage, he kind of flips it and he says, eye and sights, ear and sounds, nose and smells, tongue and taste. So what was true about the natural world, I think he's flipping it and talking about what is true as us as humans. That in the natural world, fire and heat rises together. Wind and movement rises together. Eye and sights, ear and sounds. No, these things rise together, which are the seeds for your pleasant and your harsh. So as much as a lot of these passages can stand on their own, they also are very connected to the preceding passages and the passages coming. So, in this analogy where he's trying, I feel like he's trying to show you how things work as a unit, as things work as one single narrative. He then moves into the next um, passage here. Thus, with each and every thing, depending on these roots, the leaves spread forth. I really take, I think now he's bringing you back to this idea of difference. After he's grounded you, he's told you that where the teachings are coming from, he is uh, then giving you ideas or, or of, of how things have moved together as a unit. I think he is now coming back to this idea of difference. That when you look at that passage in the next, trunk and branches share the essence. Revered and common, each has a speech. I think he's, and for me, he's saying the trunk is the difference. And how you interact with the world, either through this harsh or pleasant quality, through this either extension of either inequality or equality, that is the roots spreading out into the world. And I think the quality of your either inequality or equality is revered or common. It is the impact of what your actions and words and how you are perceiving your world, the impact of that is having on either the situation or the people in front of you. That's how I am receiving that. Now, in the next passage, in the light, there is darkness, but don't take it as darkness. In the dark, there is light, but don't see it as light. Okay, y'all, once again, I am laying on the floor, <laughs> kind of looking up at the ceiling. And what's, what's the game show where you... Um, you get to call a, a friend. What's the what's the game show? The, what is it? is that? What it is? When you have the question? oh, can I call a friend? And they call you. Yeah, I don't really know if it's a real friend there, but they call somebody. Okay, y'all. I'm I am I am like okay. I don't know what to do with this one. So I call Galen. And. Galen's actually on her way out, and I was, kind of, I was kind of like, "Well, you know what, Galen? It doesn't. It doesn't matter. I'll, I'll figure it out." She said, "No, no, dear one. What is it?" And she just quickly, tick, 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 tick. And I said, "Oh, okay. So here's where. I'm So here I go. This idea of dark and light. I, I think. I think. I think we we." We come from places where this, this ideal of dark. I think that's where I was lost the most is dark. I, I, I'm scared of the dark. My wife knows. I don't like going into the attic. I hate the attic. I think the, I think the attic is one of the worst places you can ever go. It's in the attic. It just, it's dark up there. I don't know what's going on up there. There's just stuff happening up there that I don't understand. <laughs> I, 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 I just, it, it's, so these ideas of dark are just a problem for me. <laughs> but, you know, I can't let my wife down, so I go into the attic. But between us <laughs> and I'm not going to tell her this, between us, I am in the attic dying, okay? <laughs> So, so I think Sakito here is saying that yeah, it's dark. Yeah, it's dark. But I think he's also saying that in the darkness, it's 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 the teachings are there. It's dark, but there's nothing to be afraid of. And the fact that you can't see everything, the fact that you can't see everything, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, I'm gonna kind of switch here a little bit because my mother's sitting here, because I wanna give my mother credit. For my mother's very good for saying, just keep living, just keep living. And I think that gets to this idea of, of dark. You know, we want answers now. What's the problem? What's the problem? What's the problem? need to figure it out. What got. I need an answer. Well, you're not always going to get your answers today. You need to just keep living. You need to just keep showing up. And that's what my mother would always say. You need to keep showing up. But then he switches it in the, in the dark, there is light, but doesn't that, but don't see it as light. Okay, you're right. Now you can clearly see everything. Now you see everything. And I don't know if Skeeto is saying that, that the fact that you can see every blemish. I know he's saying, don't see that as a bad thing. I think he's saying it just is. I think he's saying, except if it just is, considering the fact all the, the passages before were getting to this idea of harsh and pleasant. I think if you're in the light and you're you seeing these things and these things are giving you, giving you all the details, I think he may be asking you, to just be with it, to just accept it. It just is. That's how I'm saying that. And, and, and Galen helped me get there. <laughs> so I was able to get up off the floor <laughs> and uh, finish what I was doing. Um, the next, light and dark oppose one another like the front and back foot in walking. Each of, each of the merit things has its merit exposed according to function and place. And I'm going to read the next one. Phenomena exists, box and lid fit, principle responds, arrow points meet. In these passages here, I think he is um, further supporting this idea of things that move together as one, things that move together as one unit. And because they do have the function, the place, they do fit as box and lid, they do fit together. So he's he's now he's now moving you into a place to where um, difference, he's setting you up to see that difference and equality are like box and lid. They, they fit. They fit. someone read the last passages here hearing the words understanding the meaning don't set up standards of your own if you don't understand the way right before you how will you know the path as you walk progress is not a matter of far or near but if you are confused mountains and rivers will block your way i respectfully urge you who study the mystery, don't pass your days and night in vain. Okay. What stands out for me there first is who study the mystery. I don't think Saquito is intentionally not including people who don't study the mystery. I think they are part of the conversation. But once again, I think this gets back to who he knows his audience is. His audience is Buddhist practitioners, so he is specifically talking to us. But I do think for anybody else who is not a practicing Buddhist practitioner, then this message doesn't exclude you either. Okay, so I think I want to be very clear on that. But he's saying that when you when you authentically fully. Interact with the world and all this stuff is coming up. He's asking you not to set your own ideal of standard or thoughts about what it should be. I think he's asking us to rely on the teachings as the standard. So in that moment, when you stop and you breathe and you notice something is different and you're having maybe. And that's the thing, too, when you're having a pleasant thought. There's not a problem. Why not? Why do I need to stop and breathe? Let's, 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 hey, let's go. And, and, and maybe that's unfair, too, because you focus this conversation around when it feels bad. But at the same time, my mother will tell you now, if whatever you're doing hadn't happened by midnight, you need to come home. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so with the idea that just because it is good does not mean it needs to be happening. So I kind of almost want to back up and say, to give both situations equal merit, both bad and good, both harsh and pleasing, that we need to stop in that moment. Because because you've labeled it, maybe the true essence of what you're really seeing, getting yourself to, experiencing, is being limited because you labeled it. You labeled it good. So how can it be bad? It's good. That in itself essentially could be The problem there. So I I really want to back up and give and not give all the merit to good. Good is equally a problem, too. So. So, yes. So, yes. So you're going to fall back on the teachings because the minute. Something. Blocks that like mountains or rivers. If you're not falling back on the teachings, then there's an ability to be lost. So that's what he's asking of us. Um, I want to thank you all for letting letting me uh, read that with you. Um, you know, me and Galen spent a little time going through this sutra, and I decided to... Um, ask myself a different question. Um, When you're writing something, one of the hardest things you can do is come up with the title. Nowadays, when I write something, I write what I'm writing first and then I write the subject. So I'm asking myself, why did Sakito come up with this title? Harmony of difference and equality. Why did he do that? Of all the things I guess he could have said, I don't know, he could have, you know, he has a lot of light and dark in this. He could have said, I don't know, harmony of light and dark. It's just so many things he could have done. So here I go. So I looked up the definition of difference. So difference is defined as a point away in which people or things are not the same, are not the same. Okay. Well, we'll just make them equal. They're different, so just make them equal. That's simple. Mm -hmm. But I I don't think, I, I don't think that's why that's there. Because when you look up the definition of equal, there are a lot of definitions of equal. I think if he so or another alluded to equal in, in relations to difference, I think the person reading this would be lost. So I don't think equal works. I don't think equal works from a literature standpoint. But I don't think equal works from an intellectual standpoint. I don't think equal works from a philosophical standpoint. So I kept digging. And I get to equality. Equality, the definition of equality really only has one definition. It is the state of being equal in status, rights, and opportunities. And I, I was done. I was like, oh, my goodness. How could someone be so aware of language and words to choose equality? When we started this talk, I gave you three examples where a state of being an equal status, rights, and opportunity was not extended. To someone in Sakito, and when was this written, Gavin Do you know when this was possibly written? Uh, Six hundred and something. Or... Okay. That was good. <laughs> this individual understood that that long ago. Okay, so you got difference, and you have equality. So I'm on this train, y'all. This train is not stopped. I go and I look up harmony, okay, y'all going to love this one. (laughs) So harmony actually does have a number of definitions. But I think the one that is most applicable to us is, it is the interweaving of two accounts into a single narrative. The interweaving. That's kind of like, interweaving. See, for me, before I even did any of this work, I always saw harmony just as kind of like two people kind of sitting next to each other. They weren't really holding hands, but they necessarily wasn't fighting either. You know what I'm saying? But they were just kind of together. And I guess when you apply it to music or something, it it's 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 harmony because it's pleasant, but at a minimum, I never really saw harmony as something that could be interwoven, two units that could be interwoven. So with that being said, I guess I still wasn't happy with that. So I actually went to the etymology of harmony and harmony actually is a Greek, French and Middle English der- uh, a derivation from harmonia. Which means to join. Okay, I was done. (laughs) I was like, you gotta be kidding me. To join? Sakito gave you these examples of fire and heat, wind and movement, eye and sight, ear and sounds, all these things that, that, that are joined. And move together as one unit. He's asking us to join together the acknowledgement of difference and the extension of equality as one unit to the situation and the people that you experience in this world. And the reason why I think for me, this sutra is so important. It's because if we are living out of our vows as Buddhist practitioners, then because we are out being with others and willing to be vulnerable in being with others, you're going to be coming across people who are different. And if we as Buddhist practitioners cannot extend that essence of equality with people who are different because we are willing to be vulnerable and be part of the process and be authentic and be who we are, that we should be with people, then how can we reach the aspirational vows put forth in front of us? So in the world we live in today, in my opinion, this is one of the first times in our history that people who are different are actually getting a voice. It may not always be a equal voice. It may not always be a voice that, um, yes, gets an equal opportunity. But for the first time, Different people, marginalized communities, people who never had a voice in society are now getting an opportunity to be heard. During my time as board chair of the Roscoe Chapel, I have the opportunity, the wonderful opportunity, to meet so many different people, but also hear of so many social injustices in the world, where if I was not doing this, I would not know a lot of these things exist other than just whatever you see on the internet, right? And I guess you should believe what you see on the internet. <laughs> but these are real stories. You hear things like, for instance, um, the river now, due to environmental climate change, things like that. The Nile is drying up. People are moving just for the need of food. Is taking them into areas where they have never been, and those people that they are coming across have never seen them before. Difference. You think about um, people moving for the European Union from like the Eastern Bloc down into the European Union. People moving from African countries up into the European Union. You're getting difference. Right now, at the Roscoe Chapel, we are working with a strategic partner who has people within their organization who are working with people at the EU to already help get in front of the challenges they are going to start seeing as they start getting diverse societies, cultures, race, and these types in one place. So thank you all for letting me connect with you all today.